duty to shine the light of truth, to bring justice to the restless souls whose lives were lost to their hands. Rise up against the evildoers of this world so that their souls may have peace. We will not surrender. We will fight. We will stand for what is right because we are the Justice Warriors. Hello, Justice Warriors. It's Heather and Tracy and Britt here. Actually, not in that order. It's Heather, Britt, Tracy. <laughs> but man, you look fantastic, Brittany. I love your hair. <laughs> Looks good. You did all Thanks. the things beforehand. Um, so today we're going to be introducing a new case that Tracy, Brittany, and I are going to be looking at. It is the murder of Roxanne Shapiro Dick. Uh, Roxanne had just gotten married. Her and her husband, Joseph Dick, who was the uh, main suspect in this case, they had just gotten married and moved to the Nashville area from Cincinnati. Um, I'm just going to read a little uh, blurb of the Justia U.S. law um, uh, decision um, uh, report on the case just to kind of catch you all up to speed on who she was and what happened to her. The defendant um, who, as we said before, was her husband. Um, he worked for Tennessee Valley Exterminating Company. And in his job, um, he made house calls to uh, uh, addresses provided to him. And I don't know why I just skipped two whole paragraphs. Let's back that up. Um, Roxanne Shapiro Dick was reported missing by her husband on the 21st of November, 1989. Her body was found on November 25th, 1989, so just four days. Her skull had been severely fractured. She had been stabbed three times and her body was stuffed into the backseat of a car, of her car. The record- However, hmm? I'd, like to, I'd like to interject. It took four days from uh, the 21st mm -hmm. to find her that he reported her missing. However, was she killed on the 20th? Uh, well, let's, I'm just going at it from, you know. Okay, okay. A to point Z where they've laid it out for everybody. All right, I'll be quiet and let you finish. Getting too far ahead of me, Miss Tracy. No, I'm kidding. Um, but anyway, the record established that um, Dick and Shapiro had been married for about two months before when they decided to leave Cincinnati to make their home in the Nashville area. They arrived in Nashville in March, 1989. During the first few weeks of November, 1989, the Dicks were having serious marital problems and it led to their estrangement. Um, Shapiro was considering divorce. Well, we can interject here. Does this sound a little like another case? That yes, it does. It sure does. It sure does. Um, and that's really what struck Brittany me. Brittany raised her hand. Brittany oh. raised her hand. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Oh, I was just saying, I know, I know. Oh, yeah. Okay. I think yeah, we all know. <laughs> I do. Um, so, Georgia Sewell was a real estate agent. I don't know if I pronounced that last name correctly, but we'll just go with it. Um, she was a real estate agent that was assisting the Dicks in the purchase of their house in which they were already living during the fall of 1989 when uh, the relationship between Sewell and the defendant, which was the husband, Joseph Dick, became close. They started talking with each other several times a day, and on November 17, 1989, Dick told her that he thought that Shapiro was seeing somebody else. He was angry and upset and he threatened to kill Shapiro, uh, according to this report. And he mentioned at least two methods, stabbing her to death and setting his German Shepherd dog upon her. Uh, he also told Sewell in the same conversation that if anything happened to Shapiro, he would take the proceeds from her life insurance policy and pay for the house with cash. Um, on Monday 20th, no, uh, November 1989, so the day before she was reported missing, the defendant had told several friends and co-workers of an agreement that he had made with Shapiro to meet that evening at 7 p.m. to attempt reconciliation. He told each of these people a specific time and place that he was meeting her and 
Shapiro was not home by 7 p.m. Uh, she still hadn't arrived at 7.10 p.m., so Dick left and went to the local bar. After he returned home and into that night, Dick called friends and acquaintances searching for Shapiro, but the efforts were unsuccessful. No one knew where Shapiro was, and nobody had heard from her. So um, her husband reports her, I'm sorry, her husband reported for work on November 21st and called Metro Police to report his wife missing. A patrol officer responded and advised him to make the report with Rutherford County, the county of his residence. Dick testified that after he spoke with the patrol officer, Johnson fired him. Uh, Johnson testified that Dick came into the office and quit after talking to the police. In any case, it says Dick removed personal items from his assigned truck and hitched a ride home with another salesman. Among these personal items was clothing worn during underhouse inspections. Upon arriving home, he left the clothes in a pile in his driveway and reported to the Laverne Police Department that his wife was missing. Uh, Laverne authorities determined that Shapiro's last work assignment would have taken her to Macon County, and they relayed the missing person report to the Macon County authorities. Lieutenant Jerry Dallas of the Lafayette Police Department received the report on November 22nd, 1989, and he started investigating the case, but progress was slow. He did, however, locate a witness who had seen Shapiro between 11.30 a.m. and noon on November 20th, 1989. Also on November 22nd, 1989, Dick or his mother telephoned David Wood, the agent from whom uh, he had recently purchased a policy ensuring Shapiro's life for a little over $50,000. Wood was not in the office, so Dick left a message. Wood returned Dick's call on November 27th, 1989. He reached Dick's mother and she inquired about the procedure to collect the policy. On November 25th, 1989, Keith Dunshee, a mail carrier, discovered Shapiro's car in an obscure weeded area off Camp Campit Hollow Road in Macon County. Dunshee took a closer look and saw the body of a female inside. He went immediately to the nearest house and informed Sheriff Mercer of Macon County by telephone of his discovery. Mercer went to the Clampett Hollow location with his chief deputy, Joe Ferguson. On arrival, they confirmed Dunshee's information, preserved the crime scene, and called Dallas. Dallas arrived within a short time. When he opened the car door, he smelled a strong gasoline odor. The windows of the car were smoked. The headliner of the car was charred, the victim's hair was burnt, and her hose melted. I thought it said nose at first. Um, yeah, funny, not funny, but still. Uh, her body had literally been stuffed in the rear seat with her legs doubled under. The defendant was notified on the 25th of November 1989 that his body's wife, his wife's body had been found on this occasion before Dallas had informed Dick of any details. Dick asked if she was shot, stabbed, stabbed, and just stuffed in the backseat of her car. Additionally, when the autopsy order was given to Dick, he tore it into pieces and threw it into a trash container. Moreover, Dallas testified that Dick feigned grief, that is, that he would cover his eyes, make crying noises, and peek out from under his hands to see if Dallas was looking at him. When questioned about his whereabouts on November 20th, 1989, Dick stated that he had worked in Shelbyville that day. His first appointment was at 10 a.m. He said he ate lunch at the Carter Family Restaurant from noon to 12.30 uh, p.m. and called Johnson from a payphone inside the restaurant between 12.30 and 1 p.m. There is no such restaurant in Shelbyville subsequently. When Dallas interviewed him on December 4th, 1989, Dick said he ate lunch and called from Richard's family restaurant. At trial, the defendant testified that he ate lunch and called Johnson from the pantry on Highway 41 on November 20th. A call had in fact been received at Tennessee Valley Exterminating Company at 12.50 p.m. from the pantry on Highway 41 on November 20th, 1989. Um, a call was placed to the pantry payphone from Johnson's office at 12.55 p.m. However, there were several other salespeople in that area and no one at Johnson's office could 
unequivocally confirm that the call in question had been made by Dick. Again, I'm reading this word for word. So um, on November 26, 1989, Dallas and Ferguson returned to the scene to make a daylight search for additional evidence. Ferguson found a small parking knife, knife small, not parking, parring, parring. knife. <laughs> I was like, what's a parking knife? Um, ugh, I'm, anyway, this knife was identified at trial by Sarah Condor, Shapiro's best friend, as having come from Shapiro's kitchen. On the 26th of November, 1989, Dallas, huh, okay, I had to go back and reread that to, to make sure that it, you know, I understood what it said. On November 26, 1989, Dallas also received a call from Dick's mother asking if it was all right to dispose of the victim's belongings. After the call, Dallas and another officer, James Jenkins, went to the house and obtained Dick's consent to search the premises. During the, this consent search, Jenkins and Dallas examined a pile of clothing left in the driveway. Both officers testified they detected the smell of gasoline on, on the clothes. Among the clothes, Dallas said he saw a blue plaid flannel shirt and a camouflage hat, which I'm assuming is relevant as, uh, well, Anyway, um, on the morning of November 27, 1989, Dallas, Dallas received a call from Deborah Compton, resident of Clampett Hollow. Compton told Dallas that on Monday 20th, November 1989, she had seen a light-colored truck and a car pull off of the road where the body was found. She said she saw two men standing by the truck. One of them was wearing a blue plaid flannel shirt and a camouflage hat. There's the relevance. Upon receiving this information from Compton, uh, from Compton, Dallas remembered having seen similar items in the clothing pile in Dick's driveway. He obtained a search warrant and seized the clothing. A camouflage cap was not among the seized items, but a blue plaid flannel shirt was. Okay. Uh, Carolyn Overton had been working at the CNC market on the 20th of November, 1989, and saw Shapiro there around 1130. She remembered Shapiro because she was well-dressed and had mentioned that she was selling Com combined insurance. Overton also accurately described the car that Shapiro was driving. Overton testified that she saw another vehicle outside a white pickup truck at the time Shapiro was in the store. Overton testified that it had Tennessee Valley Exterminating Company on the door. She said she wrote down the name Tennessee Valley Exterminating Company on a piece of paper. Apparently Overton's husband had invented a device which was trying to which he was trying to sell to exterminating companies. Since Overton had not seen this particular company in the area before, she thought her husband not, might want to contract them. Hmm, okay. Finally, Dr. Charles Harlan, the coroner, testified that Shapiro had died at least 72 hours prior to the autopsy, which was conducted at 1.30 p.m. on November 26th. He opined that Shapiro died of blunt force trauma to the head and multiple stab wounds to the chest and abdomen. One of the stab wounds penetrated five inches into her body. Dick testified and presented an alibi defense. The linchpin of this defense was the telephone call made from an outside pantry, uh, from outside the pantry in Shelbyville at 12.50 p.m. on November 20th, 1999, or 89, sorry, to the office and the return call made that same telephone. Dick swore that he initiated the call from the pantry and he swore he received the return call. Dick's theory was that in view of the fact Shapiro was last seen alive as late as 11.45 a.m. or noon on November 20th, 1999, he could not have possibly traveled the 91.2 miles between Clampett Hollow and Shelbyville in, the time to use that, in time to use that particular telephone to make and receive the calls described above. Okay, so that's kind of the backstory of it. And then where it's at today, which when, you know, this is a pretty old case, so um, I'm not surprised. And, you know, back then, um, the computer systems and the media were not really, you know, all that popular and, and um, using, you know, uh, for forms of media reports. So there wasn't a lot to find on this case um, online. But um, what happened after that is that 
uh, Joseph Dick's conviction was overturned. Um, and apparently they decided that uh, it, it was overturned because exculpatory evidence was withheld. The prosecution withheld exculpatory evidence. And apparently they never went back after him at that point. Like, you know, it was overturned. He was released. There has not been any further efforts to prosecute him. And, uh, you know, because of the show, you know, we're getting quite a bit of uh, recognition right now. And he saw the show. And when I say he, I am speaking of Joseph Dick, the defendant in this case. He saw the show and he called me and he wants to hire us to try to solve this case. He says he didn't do it and, um, and he wants to know who did. We, Am I there? There, right now. Yes, we can hear you. Okay, it kept saying the host muted you. Oh, well, That's I right. was hitting ask to unmute while you were, oh, we were probably canceling. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what is um, one of the many I, I things. Everybody to, I just want everybody to see right here. This is our relationship. <laughs> we, we are quirky. We are a quirky team. So uh, I hope you all enjoy that because, you know, it's, it's not going to be, if we start doing this stuff live, it is not going to be smooth. I promise you. <laughs> is anything ever? Like, no, no. Okay. <laughs> so I want to discuss the shirt. Yeah. The blue flannel. Mm -hmm. And very much of what I thought could be a possibility mm -hmm. is, was a possibility. They were seen a man in a blue shirt. There was actually two men seen out there, not just one, mm -hmm. in a blue shirt, flannel blue shirt or blue shirt. Okay. In 1988, which the murder happened in 1989, in 1988, a school, a high school was established in Laverne, Tennessee, called the Wolverines, and their color is blue. Mm -hmm. So therefore, blue would be a very popular color in that area. Okay. Right. And also, what time of year? Well, with the time of year and it being cold. It was November. It was November. But you right. know, so um, oh. you got uh, the color blue very popular in that area. And you have the, um, the, the, the weather. And then when they said the gasoline smelling shirt, gasoline smelling shirt, now, I'm not saying whether this man did it or not. I'm just showing you what I find problems with. If he had that shirt in, and I'm sorry to say this because I know there are so many people out there that do this for a living. However, the smell of termite spray or that stuff smells like a gassy smell. So I wondered if that t-shirt was ever tested for gasoline fumes or I would have to have that positivity going on and uh the fact that um that there was another thing a woman had seen that vehicle there was number one you can't have it both ways they were saying that um I got I hope you can't hear the background in here but they were saying that um, there was a woman that saw the side of a Right, the, the truck that said, and that's what I was going to say, is that, you know, while a blue flannel shirt may have been pretty popular in that area, and really is kind of popular in every area. I mean, that's not right. that's a pretty common shirt for men to wear, but what's not common or popular are white trucks with Tennessee Valley extermination on the side. However, one said white and he drove a light colored vehicle. True, true. And according to them about the telephone call, they said, oh, there were a lot of other people in the area. Well, you can't have it both ways. Either there's a lot of other people in the area 
or there's just this guy that would be suspicious because of the the writing on the truck if if they're you know what i'm saying you've got oh well there's a lot of people in the area when it comes to the phone call but then there's oh he's it you know when it comes to the uh person standing by the road yeah and the way there's a lot of people in the area the way it was explained though was that um you know, she wrote down Tennessee uh, Valley exterminating, you know, not because he was suspicious, but because, you know, she's writing it down for her husband. But which didn't make sense to me because number one, if he is doing this, he would have, if it was me, I'm just saying, if it was me, I would have already searched and Googled every exterminator company where I was going to, to do my product, to this source my nice. product. But this is so 1989. Hmm. But this is 1989. Right. I would, well, Google, there's still, oh yeah, that was, God, that was, you were the yellow pages. Yeah, I was, I was, I was four or six weeks old. Yeah. Or I would have gone, I would have gone down the line, at least a, a, a list. So yeah, it's possible. However, the fact that it, I'm not saying whether he did do it or not. There's just too much, too many questions. There are are, are a lot of questions. Okay. So what I am going to do right now is I'm going to call Macon County and see if I can get them to send over the court documents on this case. Hi, my name is Heather Cohen. I'm sorry, rolling. I got married. Oops. Um, sorry, baby. <laughs> I'm trying to get used to using my new name. Um, but uh, I am a private investigator, and I've been asked to look at a really old case of your guys's over there in Macon County. Um, it was uh, the state versus Joseph Dick. Uh, it was in 1989. That's been a while ago. Yes, ma'am. Okay. I was wondering, uh, yeah, I was wondering if I could get the file. Uh, good question. <laughs> uh, criminal is a checked out often. You may could look at it here. Okay. But let me check into that and see. I know we can give you copies of things. Yes, ma'am. But I don't think you can check it out and used to know where this file was, but I don't know anymore. You said it was 1989? Yes, ma'am. Okay, hang on just a second. Okay. That's promising so far. Yeah, she sounds very friendly. Yeah. That's always nice. Yeah. <laughs> Never know. I hate when you get that. I hate when you get that whatever. Yeah, <laughs> they're just like kind of pissed <laughs> off and interrupted whatever they were doing. Yikes. Yeah. So, you know, it's really hard. And you're like, uh it's really hard at this at this time to really reach a conclusion on whether I think he did it or not. Exactly. Um, Actually, as sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I just found, you know, just Googling the company. Um, got my encyclopedia. Well, yeah. Um, there's actually a, another case that seems to be a bit similar, and the dates I have to go over it as well. But another looks like employee, a salesperson at Tennessee Valley Exterminating. There was a murder case with his wife as well. What? And it's not the same two people. Wow. Um, State versus Robinson. And can you, what's, what's the date on that one? Uh, let's see. 
Feels for first degree murder. Mm. Something about evidence, but there was two men. <gasps> the victim and the defendant married on September 1st, 1989. 89. Wow. That's when they got married. Yeah, okay. Okay, this is turning strange. Well, yeah. Uh, and they were um, married. I think it happened in the 90s. Still very close. Right. Who's to say there's one and two men? The two man thing is. And All right. I've got, I'm going to Google this now. You say the state versus Robinson and what county? Um, it's in, it, well, it was Nashville. Okay, Court of Criminal Appeals, Tennessee at hold on, Nashville. Hold on, Brady, hold on. Terry hold on. Lee Robinson. Okay, sorry. I, I asked about you that. Can you tell me what you just said again? Hang on just a second. I'm, I'm trying to still take him down. He's run off on me. Oh, okay. Somewhere, but I don't know which direction. Just a second. Okay, no worries. Thank you. Uh-huh. Okay, sorry. She I just ask her about Robinson too. Um, well, let me so ask will. her about Robinson too. I will yeah. if if we if we figure out that it's in the same county. But can you can we figure out what county it's in first? Well, what are we talking county? The actual murder or the? Well, the county that would have had jurisdiction, the county where it was tried. Yeah, but oh yeah, yeah. I'm trying to find all. I got you. Tell me how to find this case so I can look at it too. Uh, it's number, I can give you the case number. Send her a link. Just send her the link. Oh, yeah, that's Yeah, smart. send me the link. Copy and paste into the link. That's what I do all day long. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Heather's like, Tracy, my head. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah, they, there was something about there was because there was some television show that came out around the same time about uh, being poisoned with cyanide, but the, I don't think the woman was, but they had marital problems. Okay. If you go down to the end of this decision, this is the court of appeals decision. If you go all the way down, they'll start. Yes, ma'am. That would be perfectly fine. Thank you. Do you, ha do you have my number? Okay. It's 615. Okay. And your name was? Heather. Heather? Rolling. copies of really okay so you would want to look at it before we make your, your copies then yes yeah okay okay so you would you would be willing to come to let's say it then and look at it sure and then, mm -hmm. and then okay yeah i know we could do that i know i could just set you up in the office somewhere side room or something and let you look at it okay. or i think we can <laughs> okay and yeah. then and then um make you some copies from that because it's public record and so then we may redact social security numbers and stuff. Sure. But uh, other than that, I think we would be fine. So let me just hunt it down. Go, if we can locate the file and I will give you a call back and then um, let you know that it's ready whenever you want to come 
Okay. 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 Yeah, just take my number and let me know. Okay. Yeah, sure. Well, thank, uh, thank you. you. Hey, what was your name? I'm sorry. Uh, you're not dead. What's your name? Oh. Anybody catch that? Beth. Beth. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> that was that kind of ended strangely. <laughs> A little bit strangely. Oh, kitty, kitty. Okay. Yeah, so that sounds like a definite uh, possibility to me that we may have been looking at. Maybe it was somebody from Tennessee Valley. Um, who was who was already having problems and his, he didn't get caught until later, maybe. Hmm. But two guys, trucks, my other thing is, um, they said that she had a wound that uh, Roxanne had um, a knife wound from the paring knife, or from not from uh, from a knife wound, right? Five inches deep. From everything I've read, paring knives are typically three to four inches. So, wasn't a paring knife to me. I was thinking that too. I was. I was sitting there when she said paring knife. I'm going, one. That's what you. Three, that's what yeah. Four. Yeah, I'm like. <laughs> so, that kind of, you know. And and if in the fact that okay, was he? Maybe it was a hey, if you help me get my wife, and I'll help you get yours, because the other case it was opening up some type of financial business together I believe don't quote me 100% but that's kind of what I read yeah there's a lot of, to read through mm -hmm. um I mean there's just so many scenarios that could be going on here yeah. um I also want to know was she stabbed in the back or the chest I believe it was the chest from what I, I think okay I yeah. all chest. three were in the chest well, no one was in the abdomen one abdomen two chest um, I, I don't remember specifically those it's in the article but... from the paper. Yeah. And so we know the car was charcoaled a bit, but obviously the fire didn't last because I'm wondering if he set the fire. I don't know if it matters inside, outside, but if the fire doesn't have oxygen, it can't grow. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, if you okay. hold on for one second, I'm going to try to call Joseph Dick and see if he can talk to us on the podcast. Cool. Okay. She struck three. She was stabbed three times and struck okay. on the head. Hey guys, hold on a second. Okay. Okay. So get my notes from our conversation the other day. My notes Hello. Hey Joseph, this is Heather. How are you? Uh, you young lady. Well, I'm doing all right. We are uh, doing this podcast on uh, your belated belated wife um, right yeah. now. And I wanted to give you a call and let you kind of uh, talk about what we talked about the other day and um, get that kind of on record. But, but before we do, I want to go ahead and um, let you know ahead of time, we don't want to say any names of, um, you know, the individuals that, that you mentioned last time we talked. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But uh, I have my assistants, uh, well, my assistant and, and my partner. <laughs> <laughs> here uh i guess i should say i don't the team the team is here with me how about that and uh and we uh so so we're all here taking notes and um i'm if, if you don't mind just pretend like we didn't even talk and and tell me what you want to tell me again just don't say names okay i uh, got you okay can you guys hear him okay okay oh i was talking to them making sure they could hear you okay Having run a test. Yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, you want to just start at the beginning and kind of tell me um, 
you know, I mean, we know we've, we've looked into, we read the, the court appeal decision and we've read, you know, the one article we were able to find on it. So we have that information. We know how old she was. We know what, you know, where, she, what she was doing. She was working for the combined insurance company, but just, you know, you, you had explained some things to me, uh, you know, some explanations of, you know, what the real estate agent testified to. And, you know, you talked about, you know, who you suspected and stuff like that. If you could just kind of go over that stuff again and, you know, skip over like the, the basic details. Yes, that would be fine. Okay. Uh, yeah, we, we moved out and we started from scratch there, starting everything all over. And he had a friend that lived down there. And that was the reason we went, because I could go anywhere for work or whatever. And she could go anywhere for work because she was a salesman. Well, I, <clears throat> we went and he really just worked at a few places. I forged concrete because that was my profession, but it didn't pay that well there because of being right to work today. So I went to work for a sales company selling termite press control. And we was in the process. We had an apartment and then we found a house to sweat equity and was doing the work on the house. Well, when we started doing the work on the house, she started to work and went to training for a company called Combined Insurance. And she had supposedly a 10 day or two week uh, class where she had to stay at the hotel and that they wanted them to stay away from all outside distractions. You know, supposedly it's what I was told, you know, like the husband and the family because they wanted them to concentrate strictly on, you know, what they were teaching them so with no distractions. And I was working for the company. Uh, we've been having, uh, not issues, but we've been having problems uh, because I was working so much. And she was, you know, doing that. Money was tight, but we were getting everything on the house on the flood equity. And I, I, met up with, you know, a few people or whatever when we first got there and we did a lot of partying and I was working for the company like I said and she was well, I, yeah we, we were having problems and we were thinking about uh, splitting up but with the house and with everything we were going to go ahead and, you know, meet up to talk about, you know, maybe reconciling because we were still living together in the house. But we were supposed to met. I went to work that morning and I did say I had to go into my company I worked for, get my route and then talked with the boss and everything, got my leave and left, whatever. And she was supposed to be, she had finished her class. And she was doing sales herself for supplemental insurance. And I really never knew exactly where she would be if she didn't know where I would be because they would tell me we I would have to go to Shelbyville and Lynchburg or whatever in that area. But he didn't know till we got to work. <clears throat> and hers was basically they told her in advance where she would be going because instead of going to their shop she went directly out and but we talked about meeting that night we always went Monday night watch Monday night football and at Hoover and I always worked fairly so did she and Monday night I didn't hear from her which didn't have cell phones and whatever some people did the rich and famous but we, we, you know, just had a whole point where we would meet anything happened with that pager to contact or call where we were supposed to be at or whatever to be. You know, and she had never not showed up and neither did I, you know, no matter how or how I wanted, we at least talk. Well, she didn't show up. <clears throat> and I was, I was pissed off and I was hurt, you know, and then I thought something may have happened. Well, I went back to my house. And she never called the house. She never called anywhere. 
know, the next morning, and you know, I, I was I was hurt, I was pissed off, you know, I couldn't think whatever why she would stayed out all night for because it had never happened. I mean, come home at two o'clock when the bars were getting close, ready to close or whatever, but uh, really never, you know, that late or whatever. But all night, while I went into work and I was upset, and I talked to my boss. Show up, she didn't come home. I don't know where, you know, I don't know what's going on. And he told me, Well, just go ahead, go on home, but leave, you know, leave your truck. Well, I left my truck and had that guy give me a ride home. So basically, as I looked, I was terminated. But I called Davidson County to file a missing person or whatever report, but well, they showed up. And they told me, you know, that my boss at where I worked at, he, he was kind of an asshole about shit, whatever. But uh, David, the officer, told me I had to go where I resided, which I lived in Laverne with the house was in Laverne. We were living in it and getting ready to close on the house. And I had to go to Laverne, and I'm trying, I can't remember the county, but uh, it wasn't Davidson County. It was a Rutherford. So, Because if you blew my mind, 
father because me and my mother was close. I called my mom and told her, you know, that they had found her and she had been killed. And my mother said she would be a Genesee in a flash. So her and my stepfather, they took off immediately and come down. And I can't remember if the sheriff drove me back to my house from this. Her dad drove, I can't, I can't remember. Well, when time went by, then they said that they came to my house and my mother was there. I think it was a day or two days later. They came to my house and asked if, you know, I would give permission to search my house. Well, I'm not to hide. Well, they came in and looked and they got some stuff from my house. They said I had some clothing that was in my driveway because that was what was in my work truck and I got all of it when I come home I was so pissed off I just threw it out of the guy that came in right truck and I left it sit there and <clears throat> and they came and they they got the clothing they said there was a strong odor of gasoline on the clothing and there was blood on the clothing uh whatever whatever they they took it and that or, I didn't know nothing about cops. What they do is evidence, whatever. Well, they took all of it and whatever. Well, then time went. That was about two days, three days. I stayed there and got everything out of the house because I was going back. My wife had been killed, whatever. I had to be there. I come went back to West Virginia and we told uh police told everybody where I was at if they needed to get a hold of me and I come back to Huntington, West Virginia to stay with my mother to stay, you know, stay away from everybody because I was devastated. Well, Dad with these more questions and more questions and they they the people that it told my mother work with at the courthouse in Huntington. They told her, they said, they're, they're looking at going after Jody, which I, why? Because I was her husband, other than that, I, I had nothing to do with it. I had nothing to hide, nothing, whatever. Well, they said, I ought to get an attorney. Well, you know, what kind, where? And they said, get an attorney from Nashville. Well, they <laughs> checked into it, checked into it, and hired an attorney. And then, you know, I had to give him so much money. And then as time went, I can't even remember. She had been supposedly, it was in November. And I think it was January. Oh, uh, no, I can't even remember the years, whatever. But we married in 89, November of 89. She was supposed, she was killed December. So January of 90. Yeah, ninety. Yeah, ninety. They, they, they told my that that they uh, put a warrant out for my arrest. A fugitive from justice flight to avoid prosecution, so on, so forth. And they said all the stuff that they did and statements I made to individuals that you know it pointed at me and it was supposedly an overkill. And only the person that knew how the crime was committed. Would you know? They nobody knew that she was beaten, bad, set on fire, and they said that's exactly what they, they were questioning me that Saturday. And they went ahead and they they issued a warrant. Well, I I don't think the grand jury indicted me. I I, I sure I know that I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what it was or what that's well they falsified their affidavits when they went to a judge in Rutherford County, I think it was, to get a warrant for my arrest. And that's how the warrant came for my arrest. Well, my attorney notified my mother. My mother came got me where I was working. I was working for the state. I went and turned myself in. They released me the following morning on my own recognizance to go from Huntington to Macon County to turn myself in, post bond. Then I was I was out on bond till my trial came. 
They never posted. I got pulled over about two months later in Kentucky. I was working. They did not post that I was on bond for first degree murder. It didn't show up. They uh, went to court because they said that uh, I was speeding or whatever and I didn't have a license with me or whatever. And then they said, Mr. Dick, you know, they gave me a continuance and then they told me, you didn't, you know, you, you know there's a warrant for your arrest for first degree murder. And I said, yes, I know. I've made bonds. My papers are in my car. Well, they arrested me and held me. Then we had to get up. I got a hold of my mother and she got a hold of my attorney, whatever, who got a hold of the prosecutor and they got it straightened out to where the show told him I did make bond. Well, anyway, then when <laughs> everything went by, that was my turn. You know, told him, yeah, he, he, he had asked me. We was in the office, me and my mother, and told my mother to leave. I said, my mom ain't going to know where. I won't say nothing to you. I won't tell my mom. He said, well, I'm not fine, but you know, the reason being, I said, I, I'm worried about it. You ain't innocent. You don't, or you ain't guilty. You don't work about nothing. Well, he asked me, and I said, no. And, you know, then it went, you know, what he said they had and whatever. Well, you know, they, when I went up, they asked me that Saturday with her father, they said, where were you Monday? And I said, fuck, I. I don't know. I, I, I'm different places every day, but I, I, I don't know. But if I, if I leave, I, I tell you where I was at. You know, and who the people talked to in the contracts that I sold. And I did sell a contract. Well, they said, I, you know, change from this story to this story. And I said, fuck, I can't remember what I did a week ago. But uh, these circumstances, well, you know, but then they got with my, the company I work for, got my lead and whatever. And I said, yeah, I sold a contract to the lady. She worked at the cafeteria, so on and so forth. Well, they, they yeah, she did. She, you know, they talked to her. But then they, we always had a thing every day. At lunchtime, you called in to the comp to the office and then the boss, that's when, Hey, buddy, you could you could get calls coming back in. Well, I told him I was at this store. I remember, and I called, and he called back. Well, then they said, "How did they know it was me?" Because there were four, or five, or six salesmen in the area, and it was you know how did they how could they know for a fact that it was me? And you know, my boss said. I can't remember, but that was our protocol. We, they called, and I called them back and asked them how they were doing. But, you know, I, I finally I figured out where I was at that day or whatever. I, you know, I couldn't remember after Monday, whatever, what I did Monday night after I left Hooter when she hadn't showed up. And I said, Tuesday is when I said I got terminated. And I mean, I, I couldn't remember. Well, that's what they said, you know, that I did. There was so many uh, discrepancies and what. And I told them, I said, you know, well, I, I, I've tried to be as straightforward as possible, but I can't remember exactly. Well, they made that, and then they they just that they went. Her parents they wanted her cremated, and you know, it was my just. I, you know, and they set on fire. That I don't want one of our put her in the ground. That's so where I can go pay respects to her. And her family all belonging she had on her. Her mother took it and sent everything to my mother and said because her jewelry and everything I bought her when we were on honeymoon. I didn't ask for it. I didn't want it. I just wanted her. Well, her mother sent it all to my mother. And then they said, you know, I was greedy. All I wanted was money. And they turned around and just tried to flip-flop everything. Her dad come down. Her mother made statements, you know, it was her horrid ways that, 
you know, got her killed. You know, she was fucking wrong place at the wrong time. Whatever. Okay, well, so I, so did her her parents turn on you? Is that what you're saying? Did they? Yes. They did turn yes. on you. Okay. All, all um, them, you know they they uh they, they, they when me and her first met, I stayed with them. I even had a white German Shepherd, which that comes in in the trial. I had a oh, white yeah. German Shepherd. He was like a human being. I mean, he listened listened to every word. He was very protective. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, she let the dog stay at her house. Made her stay, asked if she could stay in the garage. And I said, yes. And first time she went outside, my dog went with her. And she loved her so much, she let her come in the house. Mm-hmm. Well, they were all with me. And then the prosecution, you know, brainwashed her or did as they always do. And, and they turned against me. Her dad never spoke up, but her mother did. Her mother yeah. testified against so, me, you know, said, uh, hello. Yeah. Oh, I'm here. Um, so I want to ask you, I want to get a little bit more into um, the other day we talked about um, that you knew that she had had a couple um, relationships, affairs or whatnot. And how, how did you find out how and when did you find out that she was um, seeing somebody else? It was about a month after I was at my mother's and I kept in touch with Sarah. I kept in touch with one of her best friends, the one that, the reason we went down there. And she just told me, she said, Jody, I, I talked to the TBI and I tell them everything. But what? And he said, I said, fuck, yeah, yeah, we was doing dope, you know, we partied, we worked our ass off, whatever. She said, no, I had to tell her about who, I had to tell her who she was fucking. And I about died, I said, what? And she said, yeah, she, she had two, or two different guys I know of, the dope man and another guy she was fucking. And I said, no, she said, yeah, you know, every." When we went out one night a week, ladies' night out, I said, yeah, she said, that was my heart cover. You know, we went out, and he went with the dope man, and it was fucking him for dope and running around, and there was times when you went to get dope and came out and met you in parking lot. She was up in his apartment, and then there was another dude. That, and I said, well, who's the other? She said, the dude that she was in class with. That's, she didn't, they didn't want them to stay away from her family. They, she said that because she knew you would back her no matter what. She was doing that so she could have fun and have another affair and do what she wanted to do while you were working your ass off. And I said, I, I you know. I couldn't believe it. And then shortly after that is when she, her friend, turned on me. You know, said I was a piece of shit and then everything, whatever. Well, it was that when I found out. And then when I went back down to make bond, real estate, and I kept in touch with her. I met, we, me, my mother, and my stepfather met up with her at a, like a Waffle House, sit down and eat breakfast, and told me, you know, she said, what would you have done and found out your wife was having an affair? And I said, I killed the fucking bitch, you know? I wouldn't kill him, you know, fuck me. You know, he's the one that had to say, yeah, you know, a girl could get laid anytime a guy's got to work. I said, you know, and she did. Well, then it got into where that's where my dog, I think, came into the Yeah, yeah, we read about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she said, I told her, you know, fuck. Thank I you. ever thought I would, I would sit my dog on her and fucking have my dog, you know, chip and make it look like an accident. You know, the dog turned. Yeah. You know, my dog would fit me before my dog would fit her because he loved her. Mm-hmm. I tried to take my dog to work with her. So you didn't know that she was having an affair with you until after, right? Hell 
Okay. You know, it was a month after the fact, after she had been killed. Okay. And I kept in contact with her parents, her friend, uh, other people, uh, my realtor, her lady that she worked for, her ma uh, manager or supervisor. Okay. I kept in touch with all of them. Well, okay. it's like everybody, but the right hand was doing except me. Right. Okay. okay um, one one more question, and then I'm going to let you go. Uh, I'm going to be in touch with you again here pretty soon, though, because I want to make sure I have all the right names and um, so that I can get a hold of some of these witnesses. And and I've already called to get the court file, so I'm working on I'm, I'm working on that now. Um, and I just you know when I when I'm doing something like this for somebody. You know, I, I want to make sure that they're completely honest with me every step. I hate to be surprised. You know, I, I hate being surprised. I don't want to find out down the road that this person's got all sorts of, you know, like aggravated assault charges or attempted murder or, you know, some sort of violence. Do you have any sort of criminal history like that? Before that? Mm -hmm. Hell no. I okay. Had a okay. Now I've got that because I had a trailer I rented, somebody stole I had leaked out because it was in my possession. I got a possession of that. Okay, okay. I got a so I, so it's no it. it's no secret that no. you have um at, you know, whether you still do or not, but at some point you have had an addiction, a problem with drugs. And meth is one of those drugs that as we all know can sometimes cause people to um, be violent, to be aggressive. Yeah. Um, well, I, I didn't start doing that five, six, seven. I'll be 61 a week from the day. Okay. okay. So I didn't until I was 57 years old. Okay. Like 57 yet. Yeah, I, I got <laughs> I got it. Okay, so, uh, yeah. but, but prior to, you know, there wasn't anybody you know, saying, oh, you know, they had a problem with domestic yeah. violence. He beat her up. You know, no. nothing like that. Okay, okay. Because that's always no. one of those things that, you know, once once yeah. people know that, they're like, oh, well, hell, he did it, period. There's no, you know. Yeah. But see, it just my, my whole thing, it, it was 87 people, and the prosecutor said, and everybody's saying Mr. Dick did this, and he's saying he didn't. You're going to believe 80 people or Mr. Dick? Well, 80 people got proved to be liars, and Mr. Dick was telling the truth. Okay. You know? The lead, lead yeah, would you come up with that? The lead investigator testified. I drove a white truck, black lettering. Mm -hmm. Bam, when they fucking, at my post conviction, it came out, he said, white truck or a maroon truck, red lettering. Huh? And I asked him, when did you buy? Okay. Did you buy hmm. Interesting. Hello? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I thought we got disconnected. He testified in both trials. I drove a white truck, black lettering. Mm -hmm. At the post conviction hearing, where my judge overturned it right after the, you know, months after the hearing, he, he admitted to my attorney that he knew the day one of the investigation, I drove a maroon truck with red lettering. Well, that's a big difference black yeah. and white, maroon and red. Yeah, that is a and really he, big difference. He admitted he lied. Mm -hmm. He admitted he lied on witness in my post conviction. Okay. Well, let me get your, let me get your court file and let me get through that. And I'm sure I'll have more questions once I get, get through it. And I, like I said, I need to talk to the witnesses. So I will be in touch in the next day or two. Okay. Anything you need, I'll come down and say, I'll do anything. An innocent man don't run and I did. I could have took my shit and went far away. But yes. Yeah, you you, you walked right into the uh, you turned yourself right in. You walked right in and said, "Here I am." <laughs> yep, yep. Take yep. it down, but you ain't got nothing to worry about. When they said guilty, I said, "Fucking kiss my ass." Yeah, uh, yeah. But yes, call whenever, whatever. <laughs> I'll be I'll be more happy, and I appreciate it. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, Joseph. You have a great day. You too. Stay warm. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Well, that's really? the guy we've been talking about. That's the guy we've been reading about. So that's him. I think we've got to do a follow-up on this for sure. Yeah. 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 Because I have a lot of questions about the area and stuff. Yeah. Back then I mean, and 
you read this stuff and you think, my God, he did it. And some technicality got him out of it. But the crazy thing is too, I just came across a story where three people, three victims, three murders um, that were cold from 1989. Granted, it was a different state, but we're just, uh, they just found the guy last year. So all right, guys. Well, I think this is uh, good for today. Um, it was a great introduction. And yes. now let's get to work and do some investigating. All right. Bunny says hi. <laughs> I love that. Hi, Heather. <laughs> Bunny says hi, Heather. I miss you. <laughs> All right. Love you guys. See you soon. All right. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye. so that their souls may have peace.